Hey everybody, if you are a regular follower of Pop Goes Culture Podcast, you may be wondering uh, what exactly is going on. Uh, this is kind of a break from our what has been our traditional uh, release schedule where we're pumping out one of these things a week uh, with me and Kenny and Dusty and Odin sometimes, whoever's here, uh, talking about entertainment, pop culture, whatever the headlines are of the week. Uh, but we have a, something a little special, kind of a bonus episode for you uh, this week. Uh, we had talked about uh, whether or not to make this kind of our, kind of our what we call our deep dive segment, kind of the back half, back third of each episode, where we kind of talk at length about a particular subject. Um, but after discussing it with the guys, we decided we didn't really want to bury this. This kind of needs to stand on its own, and and honestly, it's more uh, more fitting and ties more directly to our last episode, episode eleven. Uh, where we sat down and discussed uh, the Black Panther movie after having seen it in theaters on Saturday. So uh, today you're getting a bonus episode. Uh, we'll call it episode 11 and a half, if that uh, makes sense to you. Uh, I had an opportunity last night, uh, Monday, February the 26th, to uh, talk uh, via Skype with Evan Narcisse. He is the writer, current writer of the Rise of the Black Panther comic book series for Marvel. Um, so it makes sense, I think, to, uh, to get this out sooner rather than later. And again, not to bury this behind, uh, our normal shenanigans in an episode. Um, so you'll get a regular episode, episode 12 this week, uh, we'll record it on Saturday, but between now and then you get a little extra something, uh, to tide you over and kind of scratch that Black Panther itch, uh, you may have after having seen the movie. Uh, Evan was gracious enough to give us a little bit of time, so we chatted for oh, a good 40-45 minutes about uh, his influences growing up, about uh, the Rise of the Black Panther comic book. Um, it was a good discussion, I think. Evan's a great guy. Um, like I said, very gracious with his time, answered all the questions uh, very thoughtfully. Um, so I hope you enjoy uh, my discussion from yesterday evening, last night, uh, with Evan Narcisse, uh, author of Rise of the Black Panther. So I am joined by Evan Narcisse, who is writing uh, currently the Rise of the Black Panther comic book for Marvel. Um, Evan, I'll kind of start with this. Um, so I I do my walking, walk the dogs, whatever, in the mornings, and Monday's kind of my day to get caught up on podcasts. And... Uh, I noticed I had a new episode of uh, Fat Man on Batman this morning to listen to. So I thought, well, hey, I'll, it says here it's the uh, Black Panther roundtable, so I'll take a listen since I knew I'd be talking to you tonight. Um, and sure enough, uh, you were on the, the podcast, the Fat Man on Batman with uh, Mark Bernard and others. Um, so kind of, how did that come together? Um, uh, very easily. Mark's a friend of mine. I've known him for, gosh, a long time. Um, we were both at Time, Inc. Um, around the same time. Um, he was at Entertainment Weekly. I was at Team People, right. which is a now defunct magazine. And we got to know each other through mutual friends. And um, uh, as we both kind of, our journeys took us to different places, stayed in touch. Um, and yeah, and, and I've known Mark for, for a long, long time and consider him a really good friend. So um, I was already going to be in town I was going to be in, 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 in SoCal for Long Beach Comic Expo, and um, and um, he asked me if I could stay over one day uh, to do the roundtable, 
Um, and I was able to do that, and uh, it was a lot of fun. That was a, gr- a great experience. I, I mean, I, I very much felt like a, a little fish in um, a big pond with other big fish because everybody else on that podcast is doing big, big things. Right. Now, it, sounded, it was a great podcast. I listened to it. I usually uh, cut it off after about a half hour just because that's when my walk usually ends with around the block or whatever, but uh, I stuck around for that one, and it was, it was a good podcast. I felt like everybody had a, a lot to contribute, so it was a good one. Congratulations on that. Uh, oh, so, thank you. Yeah, no problem. For those who maybe don't know you or don't know your story, you alluded to a little bit. Um, kind of tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. I know you've worked... Uh, done a lot of internet writing uh, features and just kind of your journalistic background and you kind of catch everybody up maybe that, that's just hearing about you uh, for the first time through the comic. Sure. Um, so I'm a, I'm a pop culture critic and journalist. Um, I've been doing that for about um, 18 years at this point, maybe a little bit longer. Um, like I said, I got my start at Teen People magazine. I started as a fact checker. Um, then I, I uh, kind of cajoled one of my editors to let me um, start writing about video games and comic books, um, which uh, she graciously let me do. Um, from there, I, I freelanced a bunch of different places, um, Washington Post, um, The Atlantic, Complex Magazine, um, uh, places I probably can't even remember at this point. But um, for the last six years, I've been part of... Gizmodo Media Group, uh, the company that were for, formerly Gawker, the Gawker Media Group. Um, I was at Kotaku for four and a half years, and I've been at io9 for one and a half. Um, and um, I've largely concentrated on writing about video games and comic books. Um, I tend to write a lot about um, race and representation in, in those two media. Um, and that's kind of what I've done. And now I'm writing comics for Marvel. Uh, this miniseries called Rise of the Black Panther. Very good. Uh, so you talked a little bit about how, you know, kind of circling pop culture from various angles. Uh, what were kind of growing up and even now, what were some of the stories and some of the properties that kind of helped shaped you as a writer now? So I've always been a pretty big um, mainstream superhero fan. I mean, I read, read other genres of comics too, uh, but I definitely grew up on, on mainstream superhero stuff. Um, you know... God, I guess favorite creators, uh, Christopher Priest, Denny O'Neill. Um, I'm also partial to Mike Barr, a lot of his Batman writing from the 70s and 80s. Um, gosh, there's, probably, there's too many to to, to, to list. Um, uh, Dwayne McDuffie, um, a big Dennis Cohen fan in terms of art. Um, man. Just yeah, I have very broad tastes um, um, in terms of like. uh, not everything. I don't love everything, but right. um, uh, I, I like a lot of stuff. Um, I, you know, I tend to be a pretty generous critic. So if things are um, ambitious or um. You know, I, I, it, when it comes to the part of my, my writing that, that's criticism, I tend to reward, like, uh, things that um, recombinate, that kind of um, are recursive with the media they're operating in. So if it's a comic book about, if it's a superhero comic book about 
of the superhero comic books. Like, it has a meta textual layer to it. I gravitate towards stuff like that. It's one of the things I'm really enjoying about Tom King's Batman run. Right. It feels like he's folding in his own personal awareness of older comic book stories and recontextualizing them in a new emotional framework for Batman. Right. So you look the way he's he's Kite Man over the last two years. I was run. Yeah, Kite Man. <laughs> Go ahead. And and you know, first you know, like the first, you know, three quarters of his appearances, he's a joke, right? Right. But but then for the last quarter and he's a joke he's doubly he's doubly a joke because he knows he's a deep cut um, character, like a third tier character that he's bringing back in a modern context, where like the Silver Age kind of villain of the month, villain of the issue uh, paradigms are kind of um, an older, um, dated mechanic for telling stories, and he knows that, um, so he brings him in just as a gag, basically every couple of issues. Um, and then, so that's one part of the awareness. The other part of the awareness is like, you know, he knows that the fans know, um, that, that, that dated nature of the character too. Um, um, so it's a bit of a reward for people who know their Batman lore, but you can still enjoy it without, um, knowing that lore too. Um, he writes it in a way where it's like readily apparent that this guy's, uh, um, a gag, but then, then we get to the war of jokes and riddles and. Right, and he hits you with this emotional gut punch of the character's uh, Morton story, and um, he's not a joke anymore. Right. Um, um, and you have to think about him in a different way. So that's the kind of stuff I'm responding to a lot now as somebody who's still reading and occasionally writing about um, current-day uh, mainstream superhero comics. Um, I feel like it's the only game in town for superhero comics now is to... Um, speak to the history, use the history, um, um, and not necessarily uh, put a fresh fresh coat of paint on it and try to present it as something new. You need to, like, um, I feel like um, invoking the history um, in a metatextual way um, or even in a way that's, that's like, intratextual, um, where you're... You're talking back and forth across the timeline, which is something I feel like comics can do rather uniquely. Right. Um, I, th- that's the kind of stuff I like um, right now. So that's a very long-winded answer to no, your question about. That's great. So let me ask you this: How do you move from the critic side to the creator side? How did you get involved with Rise of the Black Panther? Um, I mean, for my part, it was it was um, being a critic was the the key kind of portion of that um um i've known ta-nehisi codes for years uh we were introduced by a mutual friend chris jackson who's an editor-in-chief at one world books which is a multicultural um imprint at random house and i've known chris for a long time uh, we used to be neighbors uh and he said um hey you should uh get to know ta-nehisi ta-nehisi was at time magazine at the time we were working in the same building I was still a team people, and he's like, uh, you guys both like comics. You probably would get along. Um, we met a few times, um, um, but, you know, Tanasi at the time was a new father um, and had, like, a lot of stress going on in his life, so we never did, we didn't hang out too much. But, you know, the book signing for his first um, nonfiction work, The Beautiful Struggle, like, I was there. We'd, we'd hang out every so often. We had more mutual friends in common, too. But, you know, like, you, you go your, your separate ways. 
um, things get busy, kids get older, um, you don't hang out as much. But um, when he was announced as the writer for the current Black Panther run, this would have been back in 2016, I think, or maybe late 2015, I pinged him. I was like, yo. He's like, I know. He's like, I was like, yo. He's like, I know. Um, and we talked a bunch about Black Panther. Um, I never uh, reviewed his comic because um, it would have been a weird conflict of interest thing. Um, and also weird. What if I didn't like it? Right. Um, so, uh, but I did interview him a bunch and, um, um, maybe two times, maybe three times. I don't remember the exact number, but they were like long wide ranging interviews about his relationship with the character in mine and past runs and stuff like that. And his editor, Will Moss read the interviews and was like, Hey, do you think Evan would be, um, interested in writing black, some black Panther stuff for us? Um, and uh, after some trepidation and, and, you know, weighing a bunch of different things, um, I did uh, go ahead and say, yeah, let's do this. So I met with Will Moss, who's um, both of our editors. He's a Black Panther editor. Um, and I was like, uh, yeah, I think I can do this. Um, um, and that's kind of the, the slightly abridged version of right. how that all came about. So it was very much by virtue of like, hey, I'm a critic. And um, somebody noticed that I can actually do this stuff, um, uh, or rather know my stuff, and decide to take a shot on me. So um, it's very much like the uh, the risk taking of Will Moss um, that is to, uh, to to credit or blame, as it were, for me writing comics now. Very good. So I know the the critical side and the familiarity with the character obviously was a big help. But do you find that the skills that you picked up as a writer, do they translate in any way to help you on the creative side? Or it was it kind of like learning a whole new cadence, trying to figure out, you know, making, you know, laying out the pages and laying out the panels and that kind of thing? Yeah, um, they only helped me with so much. I mean, I knew what a comic script looked like. Um, I knew what they would have to do. Um right. The actual doing of it is uh, a lot trickier, and still something that I'm learning. I feel like I'm learning. I mean, Tanasi's been at this for two years and change, and he still still feels like he's learning. And I feel like he's writing good comics. Right. And I've heard, and I and I've you know I've had this conversation with other comics creators I know. Um, uh, some of them are are much more experienced than I, but they still feel like it is a form that is uh, consistently challenging you. Um. That said, the hardest parts for me are thinking visually, you know, um, um, letting, describing a scene um, in such a way that uh, the art tells a story and you don't have to have a bunch of words there. It's still something I, I feel like I'm learning, um, but, um, you know, this is something actually Tanahasa and I talk about all the time. It's like, yeah, thinking visually, like uh, uh, letting the pictures do the work um, is tricky because um, part of it's getting to know your artist, what their strengths are. Um, part of it is streamlining your own ambitions and narrative so that you can hit all the bases that you want, um, all the textures that you want, um, and and not have it be too. Um, too much of either extreme, right? Right. Not not, not too um, not too light, not too heavy. 
Um, so it's very much like walking a tightrope. Like the thinking visually part is, is the trickiest part, and setting the pace and controlling uh, the progression of time, which is again a unique um, facet of comics as a storytelling medium. You can the next panel can be uh, a second away from the last one, or it could be a year, and that's incredibly um, powerful um, um, for comics. You, you can go as fast or as slow as you want. Um, and it's attempting um, ability to have. How much free reign were you kind of given in shaping this title? Because I know it, it's not the main book, so to speak. But, but how much did you get to bring your own ideas to the table? And how much was kind of, you know, editorial or other, you know, just kind of like, well, we would like you to try to accomplish this in the story, or we would like you to maybe hit these beats throughout. Um, you know, Joey, most of this was me. You know, like I talked about a loose outline um, with Tanahasi and Will um, at the time. And, you know, the, the basic germ of the idea, especially the thematics of it, mm-hmm. um, were, were, were definitely all me. Like, Will kind of said, all right, well, uh, it'd be good if you use these characters since they're going to be in the movie but i was going to do that anyway right you know i was definitely going to use shuri and 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 people like there's a brief appearance by wakabi and you know um and killmonger it's not necessarily a spoiler that he's in the series he's on the, the first cover right um um so yeah i was going to use some of these characters anyway so that was the only thing i had in terms of like um places where they wanted me to hit um um, in terms of like storytelling beats, uh, the rest was all me, you know, like I very much had this idea that this series was going to tell T'Challa's first year as king. Um, and it was going to be the, the, some of the global powers of the Marvel universe reacting to the sudden, um, knowledge that Wakanda exists. Uh, so, um, you know, the first four or five issues have um, encounters with people across the Marvel Universe um, who I felt it would make sense for T'Challa to um, interact with um, in his first year as king. Um, and some of that is classic superhero style meat brutes, what right. I call. It's a, it's a phrase I, I coined a little while ago. It's a, it's a variation on meat cute from romantic comedies. Right. Um, Anyway, uh, but yeah, so Submariner in issue two is very much like, okay, they're both kings. What's the scenario where they could get together and and kind of um, spark off each other? Um, And uh, same thing with the Winter Soldier in issue three, which is out next week. I was thinking about, okay, how would I use Bucky um, in this moment in T'Challa's life in a way that um, advances T'Challa's story um, and also gives you a bit of, you know, insight as to um, how the Winter Soldier was operating at the time. So stuff like that. And it's been a lot of fun. Was there any other characters that you wanted to incorporate into the book uh, from the greater Marvel universe that you maybe you had a killer idea for, but there was some pushback at all as far as, well, oh, maybe yeah. you don't feel yeah, like that there. I want to, I want to incorporate um, Fat Cobra from the Immortal Iron Fist. Right. Um, but it just didn't work out. I want to have him have an encounter with a um, a forefather Black Panther, 
Um, but uh, it didn't work because uh, it just would have taken too much time to set up and it would have pulled the the readership um, out of Wakanda, um, at least in terms of the mindset. Um, um, but yeah, it's uh, it was a fun scene that I had about halfway written, but um, we decided it wouldn't work. But that's okay. Um, um, I, I did similar things with other characters. Um, a, a lot of what wound up happening with Namor in issue two was what I would have wanted to do with um, Fat Cobra and either T'Chaka or Azuri. Um, so it's all good. You, the, 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 the flavor and the purpose of the scene survived, even if the actual character didn't. You mentioned uh, briefly talking about, you know, it, it was interesting to me when I opened the first book that this wasn't uh, immediately T'Challa's story. It wasn't immediately T'Chaka's story. I mean, you went back even as far as King Azuri. What was kind of the decision to kind of to take it back a couple of generations to get the to get the narrative started on this book? Well, one of the things we talked about when we were conceptualizing the series was um, getting a sense of T'Chaka in there, um, which I was all for because... Um, um, I, f- I felt going into this, I had one kind of operational tenant um, that's guiding this whole series. And it's very much based off the work of of those who came before me. But that tenant is that um, T'Chaka's death was like the assassination of Martin Luther King in the United States. It's something that left a global, a, a national scar, rather a scar in the national psyche of Wakanda. Right. Or like JFK, you know, it's like, it's a very much like uh, an everything changes moment um, um, in the national history. He's the first king to die at the hands of outsiders. Um, there have been kings who fought outsiders and um, repelled them, and that's you know just part of what the job is. Um, but he's the first one to fall, and with that, um, Wakanda has to reckon with um, their own national identity. Um, and the people who survive him have to reckon with their own personal identities and how they intertwine with the national identity. So for T'Challa, um, in my head, um, he started planning uh, for the ideas of his eventual rule from that moment. Um, 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 and for other characters like Ramonda, um, she responds to a certain way. Um, um, other characters, I really can't. I'm, I'm trying to. I'm, I'm umming a lot because I'm trying, <laughs> I'm trying to, to avoid avo- spoilers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, but you know, um, and this is going back to Lee and Kirby, right? Like you read those first two issues um, featuring T'Challa, Fantastic Four number fifty-two and fifty-three. He says, "I've been planning for years." Right. Um, all that stuff is ready. You know, we don't see him like sew the costume like Peter Parker did in Amazing Fantasy number fifteen. Right. Like that, that, that it's ready to go. Um, the tech is there. You know, the traps are there. He's he's been planning. So my thing is, um, um, he's been uh, preparing to be king for a long, long time, um, and that gives me like a slight storytelling advantage because um, I, with that understood. I don't have to treat him as a newbie superhero, right? I don't have right. to treat him as somebody who's just learning the ropes. He knows the ropes, you know. He beats his uncle in combat. Um, um, he's he's already uh, trapped in Fantastic Four. Um, 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 
And everything in Rise of the Black Panther happens after um, that two-parter in Fantastic Four. Um, so he's already, like, competent. Um, but he's not the master strategist of the Christopher Priest run because he's still, you know, a, a freshman monarch. Right. Um, so, and that all comes, from, like I said, from T'Chaka um, dying and thinking about what the psychological implications would be on an individual and national scale. Um, so that's one of the reasons uh, we started before T'Challa was actually king. But also, I want to give a sense of um, the sweep of Wakandan history. Right. Um, you know, like I want to get the sense of what exactly it was T'Challa was inheriting, what the role would entail, how it would weigh on him. Um, and that part of it is why I want to have the first issue narrated by his mother's, by Nyami, who was a character largely forgotten to history. Um, she's she was only mentioned a few times um, in the, the character's publishing history, and I want to flesh her out a little bit, um, show her to be a scientist uh, from whom T'Challa got his own scientific aptitude, and I want to show Ramonda being you know this woman who uh, was willing to seek out justice um, um, and leave her own country in the hopes of finding allies but then getting caught up in a um, family dynamic that she wasn't necessarily expect expecting. Um, um, I think Ramonda is one of the most fascinating characters in the whole mythos because she's an outsider who upholds the ideals of Wakanda um, probably stronger than everybody else in the nation. Um, and uh, the same is true of, of, of Hunter, the White Wolf, who I think was my other favorite uh uh, character in the mythos, um, which isn't to say I don't love T'Challa and Shuri, of course I do, but like uh, outsiders in a country like Wakanda who wind up being um, loyal and royalty in the case of Ramonda and ultra loyal to a dysfunctional degree in the case of Hunter, I, that's, right. that's super fascinating to me. Very good. That's another thing that you mentioned that was interesting to me is that while, you know, depending on the issue, the kings are certainly the main characters of the story, the storytelling, the narrator is it's the women and it's kind of a it gives it more of a almost an oral tradition feel to the to the books as you're reading through them. What kind of drove that decision? I mean, yeah, part of it is that like, you know, I'm uh, the, the part of the decision, part of the reason I made the the mothers that focused on the first issue was um, I was raised by a single mom, you know, mm -hmm. and, um, you know, she told me a lot of stories, which isn't to say like folklore or anything like that. Some there was some of that stuff, but like, you know, uh, storytelling is a thing in Haiti where I'm from. Like uh, um, we used to have aunts and cousins and older cousins tell us um, scary stories. Um, or, or just like folk tales and stuff and um, or just like personal histories. Here's what my aunt did. Here's what my uncle did. Here's what, you know, your great grandfather was this. Um, and, and, and I want to invoke that a little bit um, as best I could. I'm not claiming to be an expert or anything, but um, I felt like I could call on some of my own personal background enough to make it feel like um, there's a connection to the um, black diaspora and um, to how families work. You know, families talk to each other about 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 themselves. You know, right. even if it's across generations. 
Um, and in a society like Wakanda, that would probably be super important. Very good. Let me ask you this, and it's just maybe a little esoteric question, but every comic they say, whoever they are, um, is a little bit wish fulfillment, a little bit fantasy, um, whether it's Batman and those kind of vengeance, you know, violent fantasies, or it's Superman and kind of being, you know, the embodiment of the ideals of the best of us or whatever. What wishes, desires, fantasies of your own are you putting into this book? Or, or does that kind of make sense? Um, what What are you hoping for in society and in life that you're kind of painting into uh, Rise of the Black Panther? Um, black self-agency on a large scale. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I... Uh, Latter-day Black Panther comics are very much uh, about how um, this fictional society that was never colonized or conquered, how it continues to hold on to its self-determination, its sovereignty, mm-hmm. um, internally against internal and external threats. And, you know, that's a, a, a question that um, has faced Black people all over the world. Um, ever since the Middle Passage, you know, it's right. it's uh, how do we organize ourselves, organize ourselves in ways that um, allow us to love ourselves, um, to uh, to fight for equal rights for ourselves, um, to hold on to our pasts and determine our futures, um, and these are all questions that Wakanda, as a metaphor, embodies. You know, like uh, T'Challa's got a legacy, an unbroken. Um, legacy that he has to sustain. Um, um, it's on his shoulders, you know, and uh, if the wish fulfillment aspect for me is like, I wish I could tra- trace my bloodline back generations, you know, because right. of, because I'm a child of immigrants who in turn um, um, uh, were born in a former colony. Um, I can only, I know that I can only go back, but so far I haven't tried. Um, but I know that, you know, sooner or later I'm going to hit a wall, right? Um, and that and that wall is, is is white supremacy. It's white hegemony. It's colonialization and slavery and all that stuff. Right. Um, so the fact that T'Challa, if he wanted, could go back centuries, is a powerful one to me. Um, um, and uh, he's willing to do whatever it takes to preserve that that chain. Um, um, so that's that's part of the wish fulfillment for me. Okay, very good. So has this been an enjoyable experience writing your first book? Oh yeah, it's been great. I mean, it's been nerve wracking, right? And 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 stressful at times. But you know, to be writing a Black Panther comic in twenty eighteen when the whole world is fascinated by this character, right? Um, is let's just say I recognize how lucky I am. But you know, like. Um, let me rephrase it then. Have you had a chance to enjoy the process and the success with all the eyes on you, with kind of being in the fishbowl, so to speak? Yeah, I have. You know, like it's great to meet fans. Um, the uh, the reaction to the first two issues has been largely positive. Yes. Um, I, I'm, I'm having a ton of fun writing it. Like, I got the proofs in for issue three like two weeks ago and I was just like it's a weird experience I wrote it but I'm still moved by it 
and part of that is when the art comes in, you don't know how the artist is going to um, particularly um, interpret uh, your scenes. Right. Um, and uh, this whole experience, the artists have made it better. Um, um, so that's been great. Um, and, you know, um, the whole world is getting to know this character that I've loved my entire life. You know, and um, one of the things that's been great and something I've had very little to do with um, has been just watching, you know, all these thoughtful considerations of the character and the metaphor of Wakanda and T'Challa and all that stuff. Like, there's all the stuff I've been like, you know, I've been writing this stuff for ages and, and talking about the character on this level and to see that um, the allure of this mythology um, can be so expansive um, 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 and complicated so as to engage people in this way. That's, I mean, that's pretty much everything you want out of uh, a successful fictional construct. Right. You know, people, people talk about Superman this way. People talk about Batman this way. People talk about Wonder Woman this way. You know, like, uh, there haven't been a lot of black comic book characters where we can talk about it in these broad, metaphorical, mythological terms about the symbolism and the power that the 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 fiction holds, and now T'Challa's one of these characters. You know, I, I think he oh, I think he always has been, um, um, but I feel like it's amplified by the lens of this you know record-breaking, history-making movie, and all the excitement around um, the ideas inside of it. Many of you which are ideas inside of the comics too. Right. So let's say one of the big two approaches you and they say, you get your choice. Which character do you want to write next? Assuming that you continue down this path. Who, who's the, uh, who makes the short list? Hardware and milestone. Okay. Um, um, and not to pigeonhole myself, but I've been thinking a lot about Luke Cage, but not necessarily Luke himself. I've been thinking about the characters in his orbit um, and what makes him unique compared to other characters. I'm being coy because I don't want to put anything out there. Right. No, I understand. Uh, uh, but yeah, just this past weekend, I was thinking, okay, well, what if I got to touch Luke Cage? What would I do? And I, and I have a germ of an idea. But, you know, I've been asked this question a lot. I just want to finish writing Rise of the Black Panther and make sure it's good. Right. No, I understand. Like, I want it to be a complete story that gets collected and trade paperback, and, and, and people can feel like, wow, that was something. I feel like I know this character in a different way now, um, and I understand them in a deeper, richer way, um, which isn't to say he's been shallow at all in any regard, but um, um, he's certainly got one of the most layered publishing histories in all of comics, in my opinion, but I, you know, I want to, I want this project to show multiple facets of of him, his personality, and Wakanda. Um, so that's what I'm trying to do. I think you're doing a good job so far. I've only seen two books, but so far they've been they've been great. Um, so Joey, yeah, let me yeah. say, it's weird to say this because there's things I like about every issue, but I really love issue three, which is out next week. Um, <laughs> I presented myself with a few storytelling challenges that I was like, oh, damn, how are you going to do this? 
you need this thing to happen, but how? And then when I figured out how, I was like, oh, wait. Yeah, that's great. Let's do that. Um, Three's with so the, yeah. the one with Bucky, you said, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah, and that's out next Wednesday. Okay, very good. I'll be picking it up. Uh, we talked a little bit about your influences before. Um, who are the storytellers? What are the stories that you're kind of digging on that are current right now, whether it's comics, whether it's film, television, whatever, you know, whatever. You know, I love everything be. Tom King does um, in comics. Um, I think that guy's great. Um, you know, this is going to sound biased because he's my friend, but I feel like Ta-Nehisi's writing an excellent, excellent Black Panther run. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? Um, I'm a big fan of David Walker's stuff. Um, I like uh, Nendi Okorafor. She's writing the Black Panther Long Live the King series, but she's also a very well-regarded um, Nigerian sci-fi writer. Mm-hmm. Um, I like N.K. Jemison stuff, too. Um, uh, another, she's an African-American science fiction writer. Um, gosh, what else? I mean, I love Saga... Um, Brian K. Vaughn's book with Fiona Staples at Image. Right. Um, I, I like uh, Black Money Murders by uh, Jonathan Hickman. Um, I love, I mean, they're my friends. So again, you know, grain of salt, but they're right. good comics, so you don't need that salt. Um, uh, Destroyer by Victor Laval um, over at Boom. Um, and Incognito um, Renaissance by Matt Johnson um, over at Dark Horse. Um, they're both really good writers who like, I've been friends with her for years. And when I was feeling all angsty and wondering if I'd ever write creative fiction, um, or just be like a quote unquote writer at all. Right. And, and they're like, you're doing it. Like you're, 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 you're getting up and writing every day. Aren't you? You're like, you know, you're, 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 your shit is out there for people to read. Right. And you're doing it as far as we're concerned. There's no difference between you and us. Um, and you know, Victor said that years ago and I've never, ever forgotten it. And, um, he's a great, great guy, um, whose comics and novels everybody should read and Matt too. Okay. Very good. Uh, so you've been on this side of where I'm at and you've done a few of these interviews. What is the one question that you wish somebody would ask you? Or what is the question that if you were me, you wish somebody would, you would ask somebody in your side? What are we all missing? You know, it's weird. I haven't been asked about like favorite moments from the run so far. Mm-hmm. Like, um, yeah, I feel like nobody's asking me about the comic I'm writing. <laughs> are they all as asking much about as the I movie? would have expected? Is it is it mostly like movie related questions or? Yeah, movie character history, mm-hmm. um, that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, people are not really asking me like, "Hey, Evan, like, what's your favorite scene in issue two, or whatever." So, Evan, of the two books that have been released so far, what is your favorite? What are the standout moments for you so far? Just add the first couple books. Yeah, so there are two issues out right now, and um, the I'm sorry, it's it's weird because I find myself <laughs> still oddly emotional. Um, when I think about them, even though they're printed and, and drawn and everything, but um, when Inyami dies in issue one, mm-hmm. um, the way Paul drew that sequence, right? I mean, everything, everything about what Paul Renault has drawn for this series is amazing. Like, like it feels like 
T'Chaka and Inyami are in love. Yes. And they're grown-ups. And they're working their issues out. And they have this mutually beneficial symbiotic relationship. Um, and that's all That's all because of what Paul is a freaking genius. You know? Paul's an amazing uh, artist. And facial expressions and body language and creating the grandeur of Wakanda and all that um, happens because of Paul. So I still go back and look at those pages where T'Chaka is at uh, Nyami's side at the hospital and he's holding her hand. And the look of worry on his face. And then he's holding T'Challa as a baby at her funeral. And then, fast forward a couple of years, when, when we introduced Ramonda and how she encounters T'Chaka is a great, great moment that I, that I loved writing um but the thing that really probably gets me the most out of issue one is when she's she's playing hide and seek with t'challa when he's a boy uh-huh. t'challa's kind of covering his mouth trying not to laugh and she's kind of creeping around in the background counting to uh, 28 29 30 here i come and i'm like man that's just everything you know like yeah the fight with hydra is great um and i love writing that but like the bond between that a mother and son, um, which didn't necessarily have to be there, right? Like Ramada could have come in and been like, "Yeah, I don't know you, kid." Um, and I'm talking about these characters. Like I, I didn't write these <laughs> scenes, but sometimes that's what happens, right? Um, um, you know what? It reminded yes. me of that moment in Jaws, uh, where you know they're at the dinner table and they're just being goofy. You know, there, yeah. there's the big shark in the water, and you know what's coming up. But just that human moment between father and yeah. son—it's just—it it reminded me a lot of that what you're talking about in the book. And and I like how the first time we see her, it's it's very much in a protective role. You know, she found T'Challa, and she's protecting him and standing up to the you know to Chaka, to to T'Chaka, and yeah, it's just very matronly and very motherly. You know, before she steps in officially into that role. So yeah, those were excellent moments. I agree. That's those were great. I'm glad that, that I'm glad to hear that the way I interpreted them is the way you wrote them and the way that they were they were drawn. So, um, and for issue two, um, I really like the interaction between T'Challa and Cyan um, when T'Challa learns about this cover up. Um, you know, because I want one of the things I want to get in there is like T'Challa's, T'Challa's inheriting you know a history which he himself did not shape and he's got to reckon with that history um um and the seeds of that are going to play out throughout the rest of the series um um with cyan and t'challa um and other characters uh so that was great that the scene where um cyan says um you if you reveal wakanda to the world you um risk turning the Black Panther into an impotent symbol. And the T'Challa kind of shoots back, or a more powerful one. Um, of course, when you're writing a prequel, you have the benefit of knowing how things are going to work out. But, right. like, I wanted Cyan's um, perspective on that scene in that scene to be really important because, yeah, he's a guy who's like, we have not done this before, and there's a reason. Um, so you're, like, being really uh, young and stupid. I mean, T'Challa's like, whatever. Um, we know that the history 
is right because of what he's done and the stature he attained. But we, we've never seen science angle on that stuff before. And I thought that would be a good place for him to wind up. Um, so that's one scene. The other one, of course, is the Imperius Rex moment um, um, in issue two. Yeah. Like I, I'm writing, you know, Namor, and I already knew that they would have this kind of weird um, rivalry because they've had it almost every time they've been in the same room together, but it was definitely um, heightened when Jonathan Hickman was writing New Avengers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I want to call on that a little bit, um, but I also want to have like Namor be Namor, um, which isn't to say he wasn't Namor during Hickman's run. He was, but I want to have him be like, you know, sometimes I'm just a guy who, who punches, who kicks in doors and yells out Latin phrases. Like, I'm a ruler, and I can be, you know, pensive and broody and, and brash and impulsive. Um, but sometimes I just like being a superhero um, and doing that kind of shit. Uh, and that's what I want to get across in that moment. Very good. And so book three comes out this week, this Wednesday, is that right? No, that's next Wednesday, next March, in March 7th, 6th, 7th, 7th, something like that. One of those days. Yeah, it's next Wednesday. Very good. Uh, well, I appreciate you taking the time this evening to talk uh, with us, and uh, best of luck on this run and whatever you have coming up in the future. Um, when you've got something concrete to share, definitely uh, reach out because uh, the work you're doing on Rise of the Black Panther, I mean, if it's indicative of uh, of the stories that you've got to tell about uh, this character and others, by, by all means, we uh, want our listeners and readers at Geek Dad to, uh, to know all about it because, uh, like I said, it's, it's excellent work. Both, uh, both issues so far have been spectacular. So I thank you for what you're doing, and uh, best of luck to you in this and in future endeavors. Thank you, Joe. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So there it was, my uh, discussion with Evan Narcisse, author of Rise of the Black Panther comic book for Marvel. I uh, hope you enjoyed it. I definitely want to thank Evan for his time. Um, again, as you can tell by listening to it, great guy, very knowledgeable, very insightful, very thoughtful. Uh, definitely one of the guys you just you feel like after talking to him, you could just sit around and you know call him up after watching the movie. And, oh, man, did you see this? Or, hey, have you read this comic this week? So uh, great guy. Enjoyed it very much. Uh, I also would like to thank Rob Wheat for helping set this up and get this scheduled and put together. So thanks, Rob. Uh, as always, you can send us your comments, your thoughts. Uh, let us know what you thought of the discussion with Evan at our uh, social media accounts. You can email us first of all, I guess, at popgoestheemail at gmail.com. Uh, and again, you can find us on uh, Facebook at facebook.com slash popgoestheculturepodcast. On Twitter, we are at PGTC Podcast. It stands for Pop Goes the Culture Podcast. Uh, and you can find links to all of that and more on our website at www.pgtcpodcast.com. Dot com. Uh, it was great to talk to Evan again. I want to thank him. Can't thank him enough. Uh, it's always tough doing these things. I've done, you know, I've, I've done a number of interviews and I've talked to a number of creators and artists and celebrities over the years. And, you know, it's hard for me sometimes to, to turn off the fanboy piece, uh, and just let them talk and do their thing. Uh, I'm one of those kind of guys where if I get excited, I'll have a tendency to butt in. And, uh, I did that a little bit there at the end when Evan's talking about his, uh, favorite scenes from, ep- or, uh, from, not episode one, but issue one uh, of Rise of the Black Panther, and I kind of jumped in with my Jaws analogy, but uh, I have to every once in a while turn on my own internal M'Baku and tell myself to shut up. So uh, it was fun. It was a good time. Uh, Thanks again to Evan. Look forward to talking to him in the future and seeing what uh, 
what success he gets from this and where that takes him down the road. Uh, if you haven't picked up Rise of the Black Panther, you certainly need to. It's a great comic book series. And again, it it gives you uh, some more insight and some different angles at uh, at the events in the the movie, The Black Panther, even though it doesn't tie necessarily directly to the movie, it, it kind of helps build that world a little bit and see some other perspectives. So thanks once again. We will catch you guys uh, later on this week when we record our regular episode, episode 12. Um, as always, like, share, spread the love, spread the word. Uh, we are continuing to grow surprisingly at a at a pretty good clip. So uh, thank you guys for, for sharing uh, what we love to do. Um, and this is just one more part of that, getting to talk to people that are making uh, the art and the entertainment that's moving the bar in the discussion. Um, so thanks once again, and we will catch you all later on in the week.